0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we've got Vivian Yip on, and she's going to tell us all about how she quit her corporate job and started working in real estate full-time as an investor. Hey,
1: Vivian, how are you? Hey, Jordan, I'm great. How are you?
0: Doing great. So really quick, tell us who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing. I know you're kind of involved in a lot of stuff, so tell us about yourself.
1: All right. So I uh, am currently 43 years old and I dabbled in my first real estate when I was 24 years old. Wow. At that time, I was living in Markham, Ontario, which is just uh, north of Toronto. And at that time in 2004, real estate was still relatively affordable. Hmm. Bought my first house at $260,000. And the moment I closed on it, I started ripping it apart, even though I had no experience, but I was so inspired by. You know, the the, uh, HGTV and all those different TV shows that I bought all my tools, ripped out the flooring, tore out the wallpaper, repainted the kitchen and basically accidentally flipped my first home. Mm -hmm. Um, Nine months later, I got a job offer to move to the U.S. And my parents said, don't sell the house. Let's keep it. I'll help you rent it out. So I kept it. And then uh, several years later, about five years later, I sold it and I made about $200,000 profit. So that was sort of my wild entry into real estate. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, by the time I purchased a condo in Chicago in the height of the uh, market in 2007, we all know what happened in 2008. So I got my first burn in real estate right after Mm -hmm. that. So I've kind of seen a little bit of the ebbs and flows of real estate since 2004. um, But let's fast forward in 2014. I was uh, offered a really wonderful opportunity to relocate to Austin, Texas, to work for a very well-known tech firm here. And I had a great career with them for six years, uh, up until the last position. And it's probably a combination of the stress of the work, along with, you know, being in the pandemic and raising two children and them being homeschooled, all those different things. Um, And I ended up losing all my hair in eight weeks.
0: Wow, wow. So imagine weeks.
1: after literally after every Zoom meeting, every call, I would just feel my hair tingle from all the stress and I would look down on the floor and I would have piles of hair on the floor. It was really um a really terrible time for me um because, you know, I just I had so much agony just being chained to my desk constantly in in these calls that I didn't want to be on. Mm-hmm. But luckily, you know, uh, in 2017, you know, a few years back, my husband and I really looked at who we are and who we wanted to be. And we thought, let's just do something different so that we can figure out how we can get ourselves out of the corporate rat race. So we looked at different ideas. He looked at home inspection and I I really wanted to do real estate because, um, you know, I, we had some money from being, uh, having stocks from, from my work and everything. And I was like, you know, we have some money where we can take some risks. So we found two amazing mentors. Both of them are female flippers and I networked with them. They kind of set me off on the right path of who to call, who the wholesalers are, where to find a deal. And we kind of jumped right in, in 2018 and found our first flip. So April of 2018 was our very first flip. And since then, uh, we have made 21 acquisitions. We've sold about 15 of them and kept, uh, the rest of them.
0: That's awesome. So just so I have my timeline right here, 2018, you started with your first flip. Um, when did you quit the W2?
1: Almost a year ago, April 23rd. Yeah. Yeah
0: okay 2021 21 21, quit the w2 um you you had a really stressful last position at apple you were also flipping homes at the same time there so we
1: were we flipped our first six homes both of us with full-time jobs and two young kids
0: yeah that's awesome a lot of people say hey i don't know if i have time for this or i don't know how i'm going to figure out how to do this but obviously you figured out how to do it with a full-time job, a full demanding full-time job. I'm sure. I know right. Jobs are not, not easy. Um, there's lots of demands and you're the two kids.
1: Yeah. And I think we were really fueled by the idea of number one, it was really fun and challenging work. Mm-hmm. And number two, we knew what the greater vision was. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just kept pressing on because we knew, we knew that we were moving towards something that, would free us.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, the vision and purpose to drive you there. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. My why was strong enough. You know, they always say focus on your why.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Start with why. Um, Love that. So real curious. Obviously, your parents were pushing you to be a real estate investor, right? When you bought you, well, you you were flipping your first house and renovating your first house right away anyway, but then you went to move and your parents said, hey, wait, don't sell that house. Let's rent it, we'll help you. Are they real estate investors or, or where did you get the, the start? Yeah, from?
1: my mom was a banker in Canada, so she always had really great interest rates being an yeah. employee of um, HSBC. Uh, and since I've been born, they've kind of just been the buy and hold live and flip kind of investor, mm-hmm. uh, never, never the fast and furious flip like we do, they're more of the, um, you know, let's, let's buy a house, you know, on the market, sit on it, let it appreciate refinance and repeat, you know, the slow burn. Okay. And when, you know, they knew that the market was growing in Toronto, there's a lot of immigration happening in Canada okay. back in uh, 2004. So they, they were really bullish on the market in Toronto. So they urged me to keep the property.
0: So do they have rental properties that they hold right now?
1: They do. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah.
0: You, you learn from them. That's really cool. Um,
1: sort of. I wish I learned more, but they're not, they don't, we're just a different style of investor.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they told you to keep that one. I think that's always good advice. I think, I, so I run a real estate team here in Austin. A lot of people I talk to, they say, hey, you know what? I wonder what I could get for this house. Said, well, could you keep it? It makes sense right. to keep most homes and rent them. If you can cash flow or you can break even, keep the home, it's gonna appreciate, you're gonna pay it down, you're gonna get some tax benefits from owning it when you don't live in it, yeah. but from the depreciation. And you're gonna be yeah. so happy you own it twenty thirty. Yeah, you know, it's year. really
1: it's really funny. I talk to so many people that are trying to invest from other markets to come into Austin and they're always so focused on cash flow. And unfortunately, those cash flow days are pretty much over. However, if you're capable of losing, you know, two to $300, maybe in $400 a month, because you personally can sustain that cash loss, mm-hmm. your appreciation is so high that mm-hmm. you, it's, a, of course, it's speculative, right? But yeah. um, I really think that the market is still going to stay strong here in Austin with so many companies moving here all the time.
0: Yeah, I think it's speculative, speculative, but at the same time, it's speculative with a lot of real growth we have here it's not exactly that, hey, we're just speculating things we continue to get better right we're seeing tesla and apple and google and meta and literally everybody else flood yeah. austin with money and then of course yeah. there's the high-paying jobs that come with those something a lot of people don't talk about so often is for every one of those jobs at, at meta there's Lots of other jobs to support those people. I think it's like eight jobs for every big company.
1: Your dentists and your doctors and your construction workers. Um, You know, the real real leading indicator that the market is strong is like you've been investing in rental, buy and hold rental properties for a while. I bought my first in 2015. I could not raise rent for the longest time in Round Rock. But look what happened in the last year. Rent has gone four, five, six hundred dollars a month. So, now you go from barely cash flowing to cash flowing, and then you get tax bill and you break even again. So yeah. but that that really is a good leading indicator that the market is strong because rental rates have finally gone up,
0: yeah, no, I love that. I think there's there's so many ways to look look at real estate when you're looking at it as an investment. I think if you don't look at it holistically, you're missing a lot of. It. If you're just looking at cash flow, that's cool right. But there's so many other benefits that are actually a lot better, in my opinion,
1: than just cash flow. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: Vivian, other than living in Austin, why do you love Austin? Why do you continue to invest in Austin?
1: You know, I moved around my entire life. My mom was a banker. She was responsible for opening branches. So I oh, literally cool. moved around every four years, my entire life across Canada. I even lived in Hong Kong when I was 16 years old. Oh, cool! Um, so I've lived, you know, in three countries. And I think I've counted this is my 16th home. <laughs> I love Austin and I really, truly believe I'm here to stay. You know, I've always felt really, you know, like the itch to move, but I really think this time, Austin, I'm here to stay. I've been here for seven years, almost the longest time I've been anywhere. And I love this place because it still has that small town vibe. We have access to the lake to escape the heat. Um, We have, you know, the food is a great scene here. Um, real estate is still, you know, in the relatively affordable, I know a lot of people don't think it's affordable, but in the grand scheme of things, amongst other tech cities, Mm -hmm. it's still relatively affordable. Um, just, I don't know. I just, I love the people here. They're genuine. The schools are great. The crime is low. Um, the diversity is really growing. So I, I love everything about this place.
0: Yeah, no, I love that you said the crime is low too, and I always talk to people that aren't from Austin. They say, oh, where are the bad areas that I don't want to invest in? Not there aren't really any. Not really any too many. There's I always tell people there's dirtier areas. There's areas right. where you're more likely to find trash or where you're more likely to see cars parked in people's yard. But there's not any area where I feel unsafe. And right. that's one reason I love Austin.
1: Yeah. I was recently in Vancouver last week and I thought I was going to die on a couple streets. Really? I mean, that, that felt unsafe. Like Austin, Ooh. I've never felt unsafe.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that I've never been to Vancouver, but I'll stay away from certain parts now.
1: Yeah. East Hastings. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, we're, we're blessed here. Really. We don't, we don't have too much bad going for us. It's hot. You know, that, that's yeah. negative. It's Texas. It's hot. Um, So, you know, you might have to jump in the pool sometimes, but generally that's the worst you're going to deal with. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys.
1: Well, this Canadian girl is not going to complain about the heat. I grew up in the cold.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I'd much rather be hot than be cold. Yeah. Won't won't take snow over heat any day. Um, so when you were looking to quit your job in 2017, 2018, you said you looked at a bunch of other stuff. What are the biggest attractors for you for real estate investing? Why do you love real estate investing?
1: I've seen how real estate has benefited my family, my parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they live a really nice retirement now. Nice. Um, you know, so I I already have that, you know, um, glass. Uh, what do you call it? it I, the globe. <laughs> what do you yeah. call it? Yeah. I, I, I can already see the future because my parents are already living it. Mm. And it's it's insightful to know that real estate actually works. It's not so risky, like stocks, you can control a lot of real estate because you can control your acquisition price, right? There's a lot of things that you can uh, do to influence how much money you make. Um, And my husband is also really handy, like the entire time we've been married for 13 years and... He's extremely handy, like anything that we need done around the house, even before we started flipping houses, he was great at fixing or doing. And if he didn't know how he would just look it up on YouTube and he'd figure it out, you know? Yeah. So I had that confidence. I have really great analytical skills having, you know, worked in a big tech company and, you know, running analysis and whatnot. And I, I have a research degree. So all these kind of skill sets, it's, it's sort of the path of least resistance, Mm-hmm. So why try and do something completely different, like, I don't know, bioengineering or data data science when those aren't my expertise. Let's just do something that we kind of are familiar with and see how we can roll. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I know. I really like that. It's it's slow and boring, but it, it's absolutely predictable. And I, I think I love you talked about it. it's really low risk, um, because as long as you follow a very pr- proven path, it is an, an easy way to yeah. great success with real estate. Yeah, it takes time it takes energy and it takes a lot of effort, but it's it's really pretty quick when you think about it. It just, it feels slow on the day-to-day basis. But when you look back at what you've done over a few years, in your case, you've 21 acquisitions, um, you're doing some flips, you're doing some, some rentals. So let's talk about that. So what does your portfolio look like right now? And what are you, what are you doing this year?
1: Uh, we have seven uh, residences, uh, six of which are single family homes, one duplex. That's our buy and hold portfolio. One of them includes a lake cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought a <laughs> we bought a one point seven six acre off of Lake Travis that was just a lot with a dirty garage on it, and we actually transformed it into a two bedroom cabin, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. So that's like our our fun lake house slash Airbnb. Um, and then the rest of them we we flipped, where we actually actively you know did. You know our first one was really simple. We didn't really know what we were doing. We changed the floors, changed the bathrooms, repainted the kitchen, and changed the countertops. Then the next one we uh, did a new kitchen, and then everything else. Then the next one after that we took out a wall, and then after that we just like every single flip we did, we continually innovated ourselves and stretched ourselves to learn a new skill. Mm -hmm. And then our very last one, we just sold uh, three weeks ago out in Bear Creek. It was a 5.26 acre home, about 4,000 square feet. Um, We did really great on that one. And unfortunately, right now we're kind of in this uh, luxury position of time and money, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do next. So, you know, some of my aspirations are to, I would love to be a home builder, honestly. Mm -hmm but I think that's still a few years away, a few years away, excuse me. Uh, So I think some of the baby steps might be to take a smaller parcel of land and subdivide it or to turn something into a, you know, tiny home community or help with uh, another investor that I know takes some land to entitlement. So this, Mm. those are some of the skill sets that I really want to learn. I think, I think I'm a little bit tapped out on flipping. Flipping is really fun and really great, but it's not really scalable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people want to do it too. So it's a, it's a crowding space right now from what I see. I it don't is. flip myself, but I see a lot of it.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, when, uh, when some wholesalers are doing highest and best and the highest and best prices are way over retail market. I'm, I, I just throw in the towel. And say this is ridiculous. I got to go where the competition's not at.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, So you've done a lot of deals I like to ask our guests if they have something they want to share that helps people avoid bad deals, or just a mistake you've made that you wouldn't do again. You could share with people on the show here.
1: Yeah, so I I mentioned earlier that I was burned in real estate with a condo that we bought in Chicago. Mm. My number one rule of real estate is location, 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 and I know that's so cliche, but having. Purchase a property in an up and coming sort of gentrifying area. It was in the just in the south side of Chicago in a place called University Village slash Pilsen. Mm-hmm. I know that when the market turned, it it really hit those neighborhoods hard. The number of foreclosures mm-hmm. just they just started like domino effects. But when it came to recovery in 2012, 2013, 2014, you could see the areas in Chicago like Lincoln Park, Lakeview. All those areas really um recover fast, mm-hmm. but the place that I bought never recovered. In fact, I kept it on as a as a rental property for ten years., wow. and I actually ended up losing fifty thousand dollars when I sold it because it just never recovered. So you know, your safest bet to investing in real estate is always stick to the good schools, stick to close to hospitals, stick to stick to major. Uh, highway arteries and major employers.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think you see you see this with a lot of real, or at least I see this. So I talked to a lot of people on this show, obviously I talked to a lot of other real estate investors. And it typically starts out of people are just buying wherever they can make the numbers work the best. But as they get if they get further in their career, exactly what you're talking about. They're buying in the better areas. They're they're more concerned with location. They don't want to buy those those lower end areas that have better numbers on paper, but they know it's like everybody learns the same lesson and nobody learns from each other. Right. It's just, I, I talked to a lot of apartment syndicators and that kind of stuff and say, Oh, I started with C-class properties in the rough areas. And now I'll only by, you know, last 10 years built newer stuff in a nice area, class A. Yeah. Um, and it's typically the same for smaller real estate investors, too. I know a guy who bought after the crash, he bought all over in the, the worst areas he could find, actually a guy who bought a bunch in, you know, the probably the lower end areas of Austin. And over the last couple of years, he sold all those and reinvested into nicer places and nicer areas. It's just way yeah. easier.
1: It's easier both in, you know, in stress levels as well. You know, when you buy the lower, lower areas, you're dealing with um you know more problematic tenants mm-hmm. you know and, and it's just the unfortunate truth yeah that the stability of the income in, in those areas can be um less predictable than in b and c class or b and a class areas
0: yeah yeah and we we all know during covid we had a lot of issues where people weren't paying rent and i found that any of my rentals that were in the, the lower C class areas they were much more likely to to go and wait a few months and then get the rental assistance and the people that were in the nicer ones, they just kept paying all the way through. It wasn't even a question of them to go get rental assistance. It was, I have to pay rent.
1: Right. Well, so yeah.
0: Much easier. Um, Vivian, what's one thing you like to tell newer investors that are looking to get started here in
1: Austin? Um, I feel like, you know, I do a lot of, Talking with people, people that, that call me or message me on Facebook and say, like, hey, can we chat? I really want to learn about real estate investing. How do I jump in? Then I spend like an hour, hour and a half of my time talking to them and giving them a path. And then they never do anything yeah. because they're too scared. Yeah. Do you feel the same way?
0: Uh, yeah. And no, I talk to a whole lot of people. And I think that getting over that hump and getting past the analysis paralysis is
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, the path that we took really changed our lives. We talked to people that have the experience. Mm -hmm. We talked to banks, we talked to wholesalers, we studied certain zip codes just to hone in on, so that you don't get into analysis paralysis, right? You pick like five or six zip codes and just study them. Mm -hmm. What does a two story go for, a single story go for, how much per square foot? And then once you build up to a certain confidence level, I like to say 80%, JFDI, just effing do it, right? Because if you're smart enough to get that far, you're going to figure out the the next 20%. And that's what we did with our first flip. We didn't have contractors. We didn't have anything. Like we just, we just knew that we could count on some mentors to help us along the way. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised at how friendly people are. Oh, yeah. You run into a problem, you can call and they'll help you figure it out. But don't just come with problems, think of solutions and then talk about them. Yeah. And I, I think that if you know, take the time to get to 80% confidence and then JFDI. Yeah. You'll figure out the rest. Give yourself that confidence.
0: And I love your, your advice of, hey, pick some areas and analyze some deals. I think if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what a good deal looks like, and you don't understand the risks of real estate, which there's not a lot, as long as you have good debt, as long as you've analyzed the property correctly. And can hold on to the property, really not a whole lot that can go wrong. Right. Um, and you've got mentors. And, and just like you said, there's so many people out there that want to help you, you know, get on bigger pockets or get on any Facebook group, any real estate Facebook group around here, go to meetups, mm-hmm. talk to people. People yeah. love to help other people with real estate investing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, cause we've, you know, the more experienced people have been through that same journey before. Yeah. You know, we've had contractors not show up. We've had pipes pipes burst during a renovation. We, you know, there's, there's lots of different things that could happen and um, you know, having someone to hold your hand or help you navigate through the problems is, I mean, that's humanity. Hopefully yeah. <laughs> if it isn't that I give up.
0: Yeah, it's definitely real estate investors. We're a we tend to like talking real estate investing, and somebody that has a problem, that you want to talk all about your problem, and then you tell them how you solve it. So yeah, find other real estate investors in your local area. I think is the tip of the day. For sure. So, you know, we talked a little bit about some goals you had for the the future here, Vivian. But what's what's next for you? What do you what are your long term goals and what's your vision for yourself and real estate in the future?
1: Well, um, I currently have five Airbnbs and I manage one Airbnb for another person. So I love hospitality. Part of me has always wanted to own a hotel because when I was 16 or 17 years old, I did a summer internship at a hotel in Hong Kong and I absolutely loved it. Nice. So maybe owning a hotel in the future. Is, and I also met someone a while ago who owned a hotel that just travels the world. And I was like, "That's so, what I want to do." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, hotels in my future. You know, building new homes is in my future. I don't know. I feel like there's so many different things I want to do right now. So, it. I don't know. There's lots of different things I want to do.
0: So you said you have. I, I'm still, five airbnbs right now yes that's awesome so i want to talk about that for a little bit because i know a lot of people hear that and think wow that must be a ton of work how do you have that set up and is it a ton of work because i'm curious too
1: (laughs) so my lake house is only a part-time airbnb because at the end of the day we we have you know our boat there and we have a dock and we want to spend time there as well so that one's not too much work Um, and then three of them are actually midterm rentals. Oh, cool. I I house hack as well. Right. So in the back of my house, I have a garage studio that's sort of attached to my house by a roof line. And I rent that out to travel nurses for 13 weeks at a time.
0: 13 weeks at a time.
1: Yeah. Which is, you know, very little touch. Yeah. Um, not, not too much work there. Um, And then I have two midterm rentals. Let's call them corporate rentals. Mm -hmm. And I usually get people staying for a month at a time. So that's not too much work. And then I have one uh, in the suburbs that is acting more like a regular rental. And, you know, it's, I quit my job. This is what I do for every day. You know, otherwise I'd go crazy if I didn't have anything to do. So it's, it's manageable. But okay. now that I've taken another property, I'm doing property management for another a neighbor of mine that's leaving town. And she has a lake house in Hudson Bend. Um, I've realized that I need to start figuring out how to scale and, and just be more efficient. So actually today I had a call with, uh, with a company to see how I can you know bring all the different listings together to manage them a little bit easier.
0: Awesome. So we, I have a, a monthly rental, a midterm rental, and it's been great. I've, I've loved the experience. Um, what is your experience with the guests reaching out to you? So just how often and how much are they talking to you?
1: Well, I take a lot of pride in the properties that I rent out. Mm-hmm. And typically I'm buying older properties, completely renovating them before I stick them on, on um, a furnished rental. Mm-hmm. That way they're literally, you know, barely any problems. Okay. The one that I have a problem with every now and then is I I bought used appliances, which I don't recommend. Yeah. And I, you know, one month it's a problem with the washer, another problem, another month it's a problem with the dryer. So that's really the biggest headache that I have. Um, otherwise, I've had really great tenants, but, you know, running a midterm or corporate rental isn't just throwing it on Airbnb or whatever. There is work that needs to be put forth. It's really important to network with realtors, network, uh, put, the, put the listings on the MLS mm-hmm. and really uh, letting people know that that's your business. Because otherwise, I, I wouldn't have the 100% occupancy that I have.
0: Oh, wow. 100%. Yep. Do you have a what sort of vacancy were you having before you got up to 100 percent? So I know we have a couple of days in between bookings usually. But
1: okay, OK, sorry, I'm lying. I have like a 97 okay. percent. I have like six days. I've only had maybe eight days of vacancy since June of last year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's because I put work into networking with people. I do, you know, I put things on the MLS and I'll, I'm, I'm, I manage it. Mm-hmm. I manage it so that I can get that hundred, like close to 100% occupancy, but it takes work, you know. So it's not, it's not that you just throw it on, you know, Airbnb or Verbo and hopefully someone will book it because honestly, the midterm market is starting to get saturated. There yeah. was a point in time where I was like, I told my husband, I, I think that maybe I need to turn it into a regular rental because everyone knows this this game now.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, when you say you put them on the MLS, are you just listing them as, as lease listings and
1: furnished rental listings?
0: Okay, is there a big market for that on the MLS?
1: Um, I get inquiries sometimes, okay. yeah, cool. but timing is hard because. Yeah, you know, sometimes they're they're. It just depends. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And for for people listening, comparing it to yearly rent, yearly monthly cash flow. So like, if you're getting two thousand dollars a month on a property, around what are you getting on a property on your your midterm rentals?
1: Two x gross. Two x gross. Okay. Yeah. So then you have to deduct the utilities, the internet. Um, lawn care, things like that.
0: Yeah. No, I have a very similar experience. I'm, I'm hoping monthly rentals, monthly rentals don't get too saturated because it's been great for me. So I'd yeah. love to do some more. Awesome. Um, yeah, really cool. I, I don't know that so many people know about monthly rentals. Uh, it's I love to do it. We love to go places and stay for a month. I don't really want to go on vacation to somewhere really unique and stay for a weekend. Um, I want to stay for a month. I want to get to know it. I think it's a lot of fun, you know, Mm -hmm. and then there's so much demand, so many other reasons also. Um, Do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people?
1: Um, well, you know, it's very cliché, but rich dad and rich dad poor dad changed my mm-hmm. life. I read that when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And I dabbled and thought about it for a long time and reflected on it for a long time before I did anything. And I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's yeah. a different it's a very different mindset. Um but having that access to that knowledge was very powerful because now I feel like I'm living it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I don't I don't have to go to work every day. I'm not stuck behind a desk all the time. I When I go on vacation, I'm getting bookings on my Airbnb. So that passive income thing really was important to me. The second one, I can't remember the name of the book, but it had to do with the mindset of abundance. You know, when you lose your hair in eight weeks, it can be very devastating. Yeah. So you have to spend the time to focus on the things that make you happy and not the things that don't make you happy. And then also focus on the things that you feel really grateful for. Mm-hmm. So every day I swim almost every day. Oh, okay. And that's my alone time where I get to not have a phone on me because I can't, I can't <laughs> listen to music. So it's just me in the water and the bubbles. And I think about how lucky I am. I literally find three things about how lucky I am, whether it's a person in my life or something that happened to me and having that mindset of abundance really brings a positive radiance to me. And I know that energy resonates to a lot of people because I hear it all the time that, you know, I actually got stopped at the top of Whistler two weeks ago. Someone was walking past me they literally stopped and turned around and said, something drew me to you, you have an energy. And I was like, really, that's interesting. Um, But I really feel like, you know, the energy that I capture and I mindfully um, create is is really important.
0: I love the, uh oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So I just, I think keeping a positive mindset is so important.
0: Absolutely. Mindset's everything, but I love the, uh, you talked about listing three things you're grateful for. Um, I just downloaded an app this morning, believe it or not, called a win streak. Uh, the gap and the gain author. I can't remember his name. Do you know that book?
1: Mm-mm. I don't. but I don't need an app. I don't even need a notebook. I just say, I just say, how lucky am I? Mm -hmm. And then dot, dot, dot
0: for three things every day. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so important. Gratitude can just totally change your life and change how you feel about the world around you. So you've, you've used it and it's, it's illuminating and touching everybody just by walking by. That's so cool. Um, It was pretty cool. Vivian, is there a good way for people to get a hold of you for, or to follow you?
1: Uh, we are on Facebook um, at Austin House Flippers, okay. not to be mistaken with Austin Flipsters. It's Austin House Flippers. We're both on Facebook, Instagram, and on TikTok. We actually have a YouTube channel as well, where you can watch some of our um, our flips. We have nineteen, uh, sorry, seventeen episodes that are published where we take you from start to finish on some of our projects and we offer pro tips. So definitely watch those. And I hope you enjoy it. We have a great editor that helps us, helps us with that. And um, I do all the, the editing or I do, sorry, I do all the directing and he does all the production. So we have a lot of fun doing that.
0: Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll have all that in the show notes, but against Austin house flippers. Correct. All right, Vivian, most important question we ask here today. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin?
1: So I have another Instagram that I need to share. It's called Vivian's Choice. Oh, yeah. um, I am a huge foodie. So quick story. Back when I was living in Chicago in 2009, I was actually a food blogger so i had a couple of tv stints and all that stuff and i kind of gave that up when i moved here because i just didn't have the energy to start it up again but um my favorite restaurant is a japanese restaurant here in austin called suke idomai that's t-s-u-k-e Edomai, e-d-o-m-a-e it's probably one of the hardest restaurants to get into right now but they only see eight people the food is, out, like, it is traditional Idomai sushi, like you've never tasted sushi before. The rice is only served at three different restaurants around the world. The vinegar they use is over 2,000 years old, right? It's from the same strain that's still over 2,000 years old. Um, you know, it's just, the food is incredible. Like, you'll never get a better sushi meal in Austin. That's
0: wild. and so. What? How long do you need to make a reservation in advance, or can you even make?
1: It's very difficult. I think they they're booking three or four months out right now. Wow. But I have reserved the table on one of the dates in June. If you want to come,
0: yeah, I'm in. Count me in. (laughs) I I love trying to get into restaurants like that. We're actually we're getting into a small one on the the west side west side of downtown here this today. I can't remember what it's called. Something. Bunnies, maybe. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: Have you heard of this place? Birdies. Birdies. Birdies.
1: No, I haven't heard that one yet.
0: Yeah, I'll let you know how it is. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today, Vivian. Again, you guys follow Vivian on Instagram at Vivian's Choice and Austin House Flippers anywhere you're looking. Uh, You said TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, correct? And YouTube. And
1: YouTube.
0: YouTube. Yes. Yep awesome thank you so much for coming on we look forward to seeing more of your videos on youtube yay thank you
1: thank you